0: This morning, I want to uh, encourage you to take part of our declaration and part of the song that we sang this morning when it was talking about, God, if if I've kind of gotten out of alignment, and it made me think of our declaration, because our heart drifts, guys. There's nobody in this room, myself included, that our heart doesn't drift from God. And we constantly have to check ourselves with the word to make sure that we're, that we're not drifting. And, um, and when, when you're in the word, Holy Spirit will constantly be speaking to you because you are going to drift. I am going to drift. And that's why being in the word is so important. So let's go back to that one more time and let's say this together. You ready? All right. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word, for everything I do flows from it. If I could say anything to the to the young people that are here today, you guys are getting ready to venture into the real world. I mean, you know, it's been all uh, it's been all fun and games. You guys, but y'all are fixing to hit hit that pavement. Uh, you're fixing to go into that adulthood where you don't have to be in school. Your prep, your professors are not going to call you to make sure that uh, you're at school. You can pay that those tens of thousands of dollars every semester to just lay in the bed if you want to. They're gonna, you know. So it's gonna it's it's up to you. And you guys, as you launch out into the world, I just want to tell you one of the scriptures that I feel like is, is a ground foundational scripture is Matthew 6.33 that says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. In other words, his right ways of living. There's a right way to live, there's a wrong way to live. But I'm telling you what, if you will seek God and his right ways of living, the scripture says, everything, the right man, the right woman, the right job, uh, Everything is going to flow out of that when you put God first. So put God first, align your life with the word, and everything is going to be okay. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture there. We'll start there in just a few minutes, but Genesis chapter 12, if you want to follow along on your, in your Bible or any of your devices. And we're going to continue our series, A Hill to Die On. And so, really, these hills that we're talking about dying on are really that we're going to take a stand. We're not, going to, um, we're not going to let these die on our watch. Now, I talked to you recently about we're living in the end times, somewhere on the spectrum, probably at the beginning of the end of times. Uh, it's probably quite some time, the scripture says, no man knows the hour or day, not Jesus even himself knows the time when the father is going to look at him and say, son, go capture the church and, and bring them home. And, all of the end time events throughout the book of Revelation are going to begin. Now, if you're, um, if you're not familiar with the book of Revelation and some of those kind of prophetic things that are happening, I want to invite you to our Revelation small group that's happening this next Wednesday night. It's going to be taking place for eight weeks, led by Professor Brent Shelton, and uh, he is a biological professor, and he does an amazing job. It's not your normal eschatological, meaning in times, it's not your normal eschatology where, you know, you're just, your eyes are just glazing over because it's so much, you know, theology and stuff. What it is, is it's a revelation, a revealing of Christ out of the book of Revelation, and you will be amazed at that. If you would like to join us, come be a part of that. So anyway, as we're talking about the end times and the fact that we're living in them and things I said to you are not going to get better. Like the political stuff, not going to get better. All the stuff you see in the media, not going to get better. What happens is you and I are placed in this time in history, not... For us to go backwards because we are slippery, uh, going down that slippery slope to the end times. It's coming regardless of however we pray. It's coming. And so our job at this point in history is to be salt and light in our portion of the end times. I don't know about you. This is just me. I'm not asking you to believe like me. But I'm glad that I was born at the beginning of the end of time. Because I've read the book and that stuff that happens later at the end of times, in the end times, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the, the church that is captured away. I'm still... I'm still uh, debating you know on some of the messages in this series, but one of them, and you know just help me pray into it, but one of them that I'm praying about bringing is the message of the rapture. There are people in the room, you might not even know what that means, but we don't hear a lot of preaching or teaching on the catching away of the church and I really believe that that might be a hill that we cannot let die. I feel like it needs to be revived and that it already seems like it's dying. Because there is not a sense of urgency about the second coming of Christ. So I'm not going to get too far in that. Just help me pray as to whether or not that's one of the messages that I bring during this series. But today I want to talk to you about... Israel. You've probably seen a lot on television over the last few days. I promise you, when I planned to bring this message about Israel, none of this was even on the planet, wasn't, wasn't in the media, wasn't on the map. And all of the sudden, as I'm planning this series, all of these things start happening over in Israel. And as you know, they're at war with the Palestinians. And I want to, I want to say, as a disclaimer, right up front, that. I am not anti-Palestinian, and I also am not an expert on Israeli-Palestinian relations. I'm not an expert. You know, somebody else that, uh, there's plenty of people that you can watch on TV and, and, and all of that. But I'm basically just bringing us a simple message about our support for Israel. We're called to be supporters of Israel. And so, as we're talking about Israel, there's a lot of things that you and I need to know about our support of Israel and why that's important to us. Our alliance with Israel, it's first an act of obedience to God, and that act of obedience brings the blessing of God with it. And so, When we support Israel, we're actually being obedient to what God told us and commanded us to do. Now, Israel is a very, very special people to God. You know, I heard Pastor Greg say, you know, he doesn't have favorites just a few minutes ago. Y'all just forgive him for that lie, okay? You know, we're just going to forgive him for that. That sounds real good and everything, but... It's okay to have favorites. Jesus had favorites. I have favorites. <laughs> A favorite is just somebody that you just love to be around. They're easy to deal with, work with. They're low maintenance. They they're supportive, they're they're growing, they're teachable. Jesus had uh, Peter, James, and John was his favorites. That's why they were all going off together. You know, just the three of them. The others just got left. But, you know, but he had his favorites. And then he, his, his, his bigger circle of favorites was the 12 disciples. You understand that Jesus had more than 12 disciples. But we mostly hear about the 12. Why? Because they were his favorites. They were his closest. And so for Israel... That is one of God's favorites. And I don't know why he chose them. He chose them. You know, he, they are his favorite. And they are dear to his heart. We are also one of his favorites because he has made salvation available to us. And he made a salvation available to us through the Jews. Every book of our scripture of the Bible was written by Jew. Our Savior is a Jew. Jesus, God could have brought him through any nationality, but he chose to bring them through the Jewish lineage. There's just something special about the Jews. They're God's chosen people. He chose them. We don't get to tell him who he chooses and who he doesn't choose. And so as we're talking about this, I want you to understand that what's going on in Israel right now, it's, it's a very painful thing to watch and you see things all over the media that, you know, they'll paint a picture of Israel as, as being domineering and, uh, and ra- uh, racist and all these different things. And you'll read things that will paint a picture of Israel one way and the Palestinians another. And I want you to understand this, that God loves Israel and he loves the Palestinians God loves all of his children. He loves people that are worshiping in the sanctuaries all over the globe today. And he loves those who are sinners who have no desire to ever be in relationship with him. His heart breaks over his lost sheep he also his heart breaks because israel has not accepted jesus as the messiah they missed him the first time that he came they didn't recognize him when he came and because he did, the the israelites did not recognize him he gave the opportunity to what was called gentiles or those outside of the israeli nationality he offered it to us to be adopted, to be grafted in to the holy vine. And we became part of that nation. We became part of God's people. And so when you see what's happening in Israel, and again, I've said I'm not an expert in Palestinian and Israeli history, but I just want to give you just an overview of what's happening. Because right now, there is a lot of turmoil and war that is going on in that land now i don't know if you've ever been to israel anybody let me see your hands if you've been to israel before so a few of us have been to israel it's such a unique amazing place it's not a huge geographical uh uh, country it's very small As a matter of fact, we have states that are larger than the country of Israel. It's very compact because there are so many millions of people that live there. And it's a very diverse place. And you have to understand what they're fighting for. They're fighting for territory. They're fighting for the right to live in that land. And so for us to understand really... um, what we're talking about and who has a right to that, you really have to look at who's the owner of the land. All right. And can I just tell you, the scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, the earth and everything in it is the Lord. So who would you say would be the owner of it? The Lord. The Lord would be the owner of it. And so the scripture says that God owns it and God gave it to Abraham. We'll look at that in the scripture here in just a minute. But what you're looking at, you're looking at Israel. And so they're fighting over this area. And so everything on the screen there that's green, that's uh, the, the part that Israel owns. And then you see these areas here, this whole orange area, that is a territory that's uh, shared by Palestinians and Israelis. And I'm going to explain that in just a few minutes. But this little area right here, the Gaza Strip, you'll hear them talking about rockets were fired this week from Gaza. That's, that's where those rockets are coming from. And if you ever hear of, of uh, Jordan, which I, I don't think there's been a whole lot of activity here, Jordan butts right up against Israel, and Jordan will sometimes send you know, uh, missiles over in there. And this country of, of Israel is surrounded, except by the Mediterranean side, they are surrounded by enemies, they are surrounded by what we would consider pagans. They are they are surrounded by uh, Arab states, and almost all of those Arab states, sorry, uh, they are either plagued by, or they support terrorist activity. Meaning the blowing up of innocent civilians. And so a lot of times you'll hear even this week, you've, you've, you will hear the media say things like Israel's uh, indiscriminate acts of aggression. Well, indiscriminate means that they're just firing missiles. They don't really care who it hits. That is so not true. As a matter of fact, and here's why it's important for the youth of today to hear this message, because my very own son and I have had conversations about this and and you'll listen to the media and you will hear something, and everything, even the things that I say to you, you should question you should You should listen to me and go, "Is what he's saying?" true and is it validated by either the word of God or fact because you can listen to something and I've read a lot of articles in preparation for this and it's amazing how I would find myself reading a pro-Palestinian article it's written from a pro-Palestinian point of view and Christians who are who are sympathetic and empathetic to Palestinians. And I would find myself getting drawn into that and be going, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And all of a sudden, my emotions would get messed up because the enemy loves to play on our compassion. Compassion is an emotion. And so I would find myself being, being drawn into these articles and I'd have to go like, wait, 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 wait. This is not true. This is provably not true. Like, you can't say that Israel fired indiscriminately into Gaza, killing civilians. Did civilians get killed? Probably. That's true. But indiscriminate, no. When they took out that media building, they literally announced we are going to destroy this building It's going to be destroyed on this day. Do not be in that building. Why are we destroying that building? Because it houses blah, blah, blah. And they'll give you the reasons. That's not indiscriminate. If you don't get out of the way. And I'm telling you. If they're telling me some missiles are coming. You know to the Jubilee Center or whatever. I mean I'm hightailing it. You know I'm, I'm getting out of the way. They... The media will twist things and it will, it will, it will mess it up. And before you, before you understand it, and I don't mean, I'm talking about all media. There are media that, uh, that they will put out conspiracy theories to try to prove God's word and all of these. And, you know, sometimes Christians will forward that stuff and it's like they're not true. Stop trying to defend God. God can defend himself and we look stupid many times when we are sending stuff out that that is provably not true and that if we would just take the time i'm sorry i'm on a soapbox right now if we would just take the time to do a little research we could we could find out that that article is 5 years old and it was proven that that is not true but you've just put it out as you know, a believer because you're protecting God and all, all of that stuff. Please be careful what you forward and what you sanction. Because when you sanction something and it ends up making you look dumb, that when you share the truth, your influence has been destroyed or diminished. And therefore, your light is diminished. I'm not telling you to not share stuff. I'm just saying when you share stuff... Do a little research, and we've all done it. You do not have to feel guilty or ashamed. We've all done it. I've done it myself, and I've hit the button because my, my emotions got involved with it, and it's like I put it out there, and in just a few minutes, I had some people smarter than me correct me and say, hey, you might want to check that out because that is a hoax, and I'll have to go and retract it and take it down. You understand? You understand? And so, as I'm talking about this, you got to be careful what you're listening to in the media. And yes, there's a great conflagration, there's a great you know, war uh, going on between the Israelites and the Palestinians. But what the media will make you think is that Israel came and pushed all of the Palestinians out, and they're in refugee camps, and all of these little yellow areas here... Are are areas that are controlled by Palestinian authority. It's the weirdest makeup. If you've never experienced it. It's just bizarre. It it, It would be like foreigners would live in Daphne. Or in Baldwin County. And there would be pockets that those foreigners would be in charge of. But only in that area. If you'll just give me a moment, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, this, this, this has the potential to make some folks mad, so check your mad meter, okay? It's sort of like what the white folks did to the Indians. We came to America from all over the place, Ireland, England, Scotland, Germany, We all immigrated here. Well, there were some people here before all of us got here. Was this land ours or theirs? It was theirs. And what did we do? I mean, we can't go back and change history. It's done. But what did we do? We squished them into Indian reservations. All right? There are Indian reservations that exist right now in the United States. We know that. Did you know that they are sovereign nations or a sovereign nation? I I don't know if they're sovereign nations because the different tribes. But, you know, they have their own president. I did not know that until I went to an Indian reservation and I went to their capital and I saw their presidential um, residence and where their cabinet met. And I'm like, wait, So we're in a different country. In our country. That's what it's like there. Almost. Except Palestine is not a nation. And many people don't know that. Palestine. There's no place called Palestine. There's no nation. There's no state. They're a nomadic people. Without any country. And. What happened is at one point, they possessed all of the dark green and the orange and and the yellow. They possessed everything because they, they persecuted not just the Palestinians, but the Romans, the Greeks, the Ottomans. They all persecuted the Israelites. And the Israelites fled from their nation, from the land that God had given them. And so, throughout the centuries, as they fled all over the world, there, there arose a movement called the Zionist movement. The, you know, Zion is, you know, the, the city of God. So, the Zionists called all of the Israelites back to Israel. So, as they were coming back to Israel, Israel began to form its, its uh, state, and so... Here's what happened. On May 14, 1948, Israel was formed as a nation with the support of the United Nations. So it was globally recognized as they declared their independence and they became a nation. Now, the UN sanctioned a look different from that and was going to give Palestinians their own state, but the Palestinians rejected that idea so you, you see what happened? They forced the Israelites out of the land that God gave them. But then when Israel comes back with the UN support, Palestinians rejected that idea. The day after they declared their independence, five nations started the Arab-Israeli war and Israel won the war against five Arab nations. But this time, it was a little different story. Instead of them, the Palestinians being able to have their own state that the UN was going to sanction, now it's a different story because you didn't play nicely. You fought us. You became our enemies. And we conquered you. Now... You have to leave, or if you are going to live here, these are the conditions in which you live. And that's what it looks like today. It's a very bizarre relationship. Is it fair? Probably not. Is it humane? Probably not. Would I want my family living in some of those conditions? Probably not. Are the Palestinians treated the way that the Israelis are treated? Most of them not. Do they have the same rights? No. We are experiencing, and look, if I can say this, before we begin to look down our condescending American noses at Israel, we need to think about not only our history past, but our history present. We have a large number of migrants that are coming to the United States. And we're saying to them, hey, you can't all come in here. Why? Because we can't handle it. It will overwhelm our system. So what is happening? What is happening? They're in areas just like this at the border. Do they have the rights that we have as United States citizens? Not all, there, there would be some that would want them to, but not all. And I do not feel, I feel compassion, but I do not feel guilty about saying to people coming to our country that you need to come the right way. And if you come here, you cannot have the full rights and privileges of people that are born here. If I were to move to another country or just to go there unannounced, I would not have access to their health care or uh, unemployment benefits or things like that. So, you know, we have our own issues like that that we're dealing with. If you go over there, there is some, there's, there's heightened racial tension between the Palestinians and the Israelis. There are certain places within those areas that you cannot go if you're a Palestinian. You cannot cross certain borders. Imagine if you lived in Gaza. Imagine if, you, if in Fairhope or Daphne or Spanish Ford, we were told we can't cross the border into Florida. Or we can't cross over the bridge into Mobile. We can see it from our house, in the famous words of Sarah Palin. Some of y'all went right over your head. Y'all forgot about her already. But we can see the towers from our house, but we can't go there because we don't either have the right papers Or we can, like tourists, Shay and I, when we were going to Jesus' birthplace, I believe it was Nazareth that we were traveling to, and we were on a bus with a lot of nationalities as tourists, and we went to the Palestinian, the border of the authority, and we drove there. Everybody had to disembark the bus, and then we had to walk through the gate and then we got on another bus that was a Palestinian bus and the Palestinian driver took us around to all of the different sites where where you know Jesus was born all of these kinds of things but then when it was all over we went back to the border And all of this is within the nation of Israel now, but there are multiple, many borders within the, the, the state. And we got off of our Palestinian bus, and we went, and we got back on our Israeli bus and took us back. And I'm just saying, Jesus grew up in the hood. If you, like, what we read about Jesus, he was born in Nazareth. Nazareth, man, it's a dump. It's ruled by thugs. They told us we have to be out of there by a certain time because it's not safe to be there after sundown for Christians. Like it's ruled by the majority Muslim. That's the birthplace of Christ. That's the tension in that area. And it's a a sad situation. And listen, I'm quoting from a Palestinian source. So this is from the Palestinian Center for Policy and Surveys. I want to say it again just in case you want to check it out. It's from the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research. And it says that they researched... Palestinians surveyed them and 50% of Palestinians, 50% of the people that live here and here, 50%, half of them support, hang on, I lost it, uh, armed aggression against Israel, 50% of Palestinians support armed aggression against Israel. That's amazing. 50% are okay with terrorism. This isn't coming from Israeli. This isn't coming from American. This is coming from a Palestinian source that says, hey, we're cool with it. We're cool with armed aggression against Israelis. Another 50% said that they condone indiscriminate attacks Against Israel. Now you remember at the beginning of the message. I was saying that Israel is accused. Regularly of being indiscriminate. In their acts of of war. The Palestinians. Are just outright boldly saying. We're okay. With just rockets fired. And if you pay attention. To what's happening in the news. Like. The missiles and everything. From Gaza. Are just like lobbed. Into Israel, just like you know, wherever it hits, it hits. Schools, doesn't matter. Hospitals, doesn't matter. Israelis are very strategic in pinpointing their targets. Do mistakes happen? Absolutely. Does friendly fire happen? Absolutely. But that happens in our world as well. War is a terrible thing, war is terrible, and war is not God's will. It happens because we live in a fallen world. I want you to look at this right quick. Go to Genesis chapter 12. And let's just look at a few verses to get us started. If you're there, verse 1. I know I said 2 and 3, but I want to take one in as well. Verse 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, who was later named Abraham... The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I will treat those or and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. All right, just stop there for a second. God says, I want you to leave your land where you are comfortable with, where you were born. And I want you to go to the land that I'm showing you. The land that he was showing them was that map up there. It was called the land of Canaan. And God said, I want you to go to that land. And he says, I'm going to give you that land. And so as we read this and we, say, and, and we read it and it says that God is going to bless those who bless Israel. In other words, support Israel, uh, give aid to Israel, pray for Israel. God is going to bless those and those who will curse them. There is a curse that will come upon them from the Lord. And so as we're talking about this and we look at this, I want you to understand that I'm not one of these people that I'm going to say by God I support Israel and whatever else come what may, just come what may. No, I'm saying that we we are supporters of Israel and we have compassion because there are Palestinian Christians. There are, there are Israeli Christians. And we're all part of the same family. And they're caught in the middle of this. I don't know if you've ever had a, a, a um, conflict in your family before where you loved both sides. And they will not settle their differences It is a heartbreaking thing. I have that happening in my immediate family right now that has been happening for the last 18 years. That one family member will not speak to the other family members and it breaks our heart because we love you both. That is how God feels when he looks at the peoples of the earth and he's like, I love you all. I want you to all get along. But there is not a people group on the planet, not one. And so if I could just say to my African-American family here, hey, don't just look at white America and, and, and go, man, you guys, y'all a bunch of racists, y'all a bunch of, that's true in a lot of instances. But please don't look at us and, and go, you know, y'all the ones, y'all the ones, y'all the ones. There is not a a country on the planet that is not plagued with bigotry. It's the nature of the fallen human heart. God didn't create us that way. It's the nature of sin. If you go to Europe, the countries there. If you go to Africa, I'm telling you, there there are people in Africa that I love dearly. But their nation is plagued. And guess what? They're all the same color there. But this tribe cannot stand this tribe. And this tribe will hack another tribe to death with machetes. Because they're warring with one another. It's happened in uh, all of Europe Africa. It's happened throughout the Latin American countries. It's happened throughout the Asian countries. Over in, uh, uh, if you if you look at India, the caste system, just by the the economic system that you're born into, you're looked down upon. There's not a nation on the planet that has not been plagued by this. You understand what I'm saying? And it doesn't make any of it right. But you and I, we can't go back and change any of that history. All we can do is move forward and change things moving forward. And that's why I'm just saying, guys, for us as whites and blacks and Asians and Hispanics, man, we've got to come together as the body of Christ. Because our love for one another should trump, no pun intended, our love for one another should trump our political views. Our love for one another should trump our, our culture. Our love for one another should trump our mindsets that, we, that have been instilled inside of us. Because I'm telling you what, that every person in this room, you have been instilled with mindsets that are not necessarily biblical. Biblical. And we have to retrain ourselves and let the love of Christ come upon us and, and, and get us back in alignment with his holy word. And so as we're talking about this and we're talking about Palestine and we're talking about Israel, I want you to hear my heart that I don't fully understand. I don't fully agree with all that's going on over there in that In that area of the world. But I have found that it is very easy to be an armchair quarterback of what you think someone else might ought to be doing, while all the while ignoring the big old two by four plank sticking out of your eye. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said, hey, don't look at the speck in somebody else's eye. In other words, don't look at the, uh, the, the stuff going on in somebody else's country and be judgmental about that when we got our own mess that we need to fix. But the scripture talks about us being supporters of Israel, for us praying for Israel. And I want to just give you five reasons, and then I'm going to give you five other ways to pray for Israel. So, five reasons to support Israel. Number one is that the blessing of God for her supporters. He says that I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Whenever I hear people speaking damnation on the nation of Israel, and we have political leaders right now that are speaking damnation over the nation of Israel. And, I'm, and, and this is how I pray. I'm like, God, don't hold me responsible for, for their stupidity. Don't hold me responsible because they're a leader in this nation. I'm not. Not a political leader anyway. And I'm like, God, don't hold, don't hold us responsible for some of their stupidity. Because there is a curse that will come upon our nation. There is a curse that will come upon our families. There is a curse that will come upon our economy. Listen, I wish I had the time to tell you some of the things, some of the, some of the research, some of the innovation, some of the prosperity that comes out of Israel. It is an amazingly prosperous nation. They are extremely intelligent. Why? Because God's hand is upon that nation. God blesses the United nation, uh, the United States because of our relationship with them. I'm telling you what. We need to make sure that our presidents support Israel. Like, we can't make them, but we need to make sure. That when we're voting for folks, what is your stance on Israel? Oh, Jesus, I could get in so much trouble right here. Well, preacher, I just want to know, am I going to get a staffing check at the end of the quarter? I just want to know if my welfare is going to be there. I just want to know yada, yada, yada. We will vote people in offices because of our worship of mammon, of money. Our lust for our needs. And we will elect people to offices. And you know how we should be electing people? Based upon where they stand with Israel. Where they stand in, in truly serving the needs of the American people. And I, here's a hill that we, we need to not die on. And I, it looks like we're dead on it. Abortion. I will never vote. I don't care if they're Republican. I don't care if they're a Martian. I don't care if they're Democrat. I don't care. If you are pro-abortion, you will never, ever, ever have my vote. Never. Why? Because if that's the way someone stands on the life of the unborn, then they don't value the life of the living either. Because there's not a dead baby ever. There's not a dead baby that's usually aborted. Normally dead babies, and I hate to put it so plainly, normally they they get rid of themselves. That's God's natural way of dealing with it. But when an abortion is performed, it's usually on a live child. That's a life in there, regardless of whether you call it a human being, an embryo, a fetus, or whatever. Whatever it is, it's alive. And if they'll treat a living organism that way, what will they treat a living organism in other ways? So I'll never vote for anybody. You do what you want to, but I do not believe that it, it represents us as God's people. And so our support of Israel is so important because, again, the Lord says there's a blessing that comes from it. We just look at America uh, in in the form of the United States, and we just think, man, we just got it together, and we're just smart, and we just, you know, no, we're not. We're not that smart. We are smart, but we're not that smart. Part of our blessing comes just out of the favor of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God. So, number one reason is that the blessing of God for her supporters of which we are one. Number two, the promise that God gave the land to Israel. I just read it to you. He said, leave your land and you go to the land that I'm giving you. And he said, this is your land. So why should we support Israel? Because God gave it to Israel. I don't know if you've ever had kids and they're playing in the park and some other little kid comes over and they're the bully kid and they come over and they take your little kid's toy and all of a sudden the mama bear or daddy bear just revs up in you and, I, and, 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 and you're like, I'm fixing to go rip that kid's head off. Y'all ever felt that? You know you have. And you walk over And you're like, you might negotiate. You might be like, oh, little Bobby, let let the big bully kid play with the toy. You know, you won't say it like that. But, you know, let him play with it a little bit. But the fact is, is that that's your kid's toy. You gave him that toy. He's entitled to that toy. So you give it back to the owner. That's where we are in the nation of Israel right now. The land that was taken from them when they were driven out. All those centuries, the Romans, the Greeks, the Ottoman Empire, they lived through all of that. They lived through the Holocaust. And over a million Jews had been burned to death or gassed before one American pastor or church lifted a finger to say anything about it. And we still do that today. And we have to speak out against these kinds of things. But God promised that land to Israel. And so Israel, God rectified that and brought them back to their homeland. And so that's a reason to support them. Because the, the one who says the earth is mine and everything in it, I give it to you. That's a reason to support them. Because it's the right thing to do. The, Genesis 17, 8 says the whole land of Canaan, every bit of it, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give an everlasting possession to you and your descendants and I will be their God. God gave them that land. Israel is a strategic U.S. ally. In that part of the world, you saw on the map, Israel is a strategic U.S. ally. That's a reason to support them. We don't have very many allies in that part of the world. They normally are on TV teaching their five-year-olds to carry, you know, AK-47s or whatever those massive guns are. Shouting death to America, death to the infidel. They've brainwashed their children to think that way. Many times you'll see people over there, at countries that will say they're our allies and they are not truly our allies. They are our allies because of the money we send them. They are our allies because the resources that we allocate to them. Or the 400, what was it, million dollars in the secret of night that's shipped over from one of our presidents that, you know, is sent into a terrorist nation. They're our friends while we're doing that kind of stuff. And, I, hey, I'm not just spouting rhetoric. That truly happened. You can go check it out yourself. That's, that's factual. Nobody asked my permission. I don't want any of my money going there. But we don't, we don't operate at that level of leadership. And there are things that are done in our name that I don't personally support. Some of you don't personally support it. But it gets done and it buys their allegiance But it's not their true allegiance. And in that part of the world, in the Middle East, we don't have a whole lot of of, uh, allies. But Israel is one who has stood with us since the beginning. And we have stood with them. Other nations of the United Nations who are part of that, they've stood with them sometimes and they haven't sometimes. But I'm telling you what, this is a reason because they are there for us. Whenever Shay and I went over to Israel, I would walk out into some of the little market areas and what have you, and I would meet different uh, people. And it's really such a cool area if you ever get to go over there. I know we don't want to go over there right now when bombs are you know, falling out of the sky. But it's a really cool area. And you can be in one area where it looks like Jesus could walk out of a building at any moment because it's so first century ancient. And then a few blocks over, you're in a major metropolitan area with skyscrapers and subways. Well, not subways, but metros. It's the craziest thing. And you meet uh, just such a wide range of people. And I met this young uh, Jewish guy. And as I'm sitting there talking to him, uh, he said... Uh, you're American, right? You know, as if he couldn't tell from my uh, accent. And I said, yeah. And so he was talking to me, had no idea I was a pastor or anything like that. And um, and he said, we love America. We love Americans. And I'm like, why did he say that? Is he just kind of placating to me? You know, is he just patronizing me kind of thing? And I, And so I asked him, I said, why do you love America? Like, is that just something you're just trying to say to stroke my ego or something? I mean, I'm, I'm saying this to myself. So I asked him, I said, so why do, you, why do you love America so much? And he said, because we feel safe with such a big ally. We feel safe. America makes us feel safe. It's like the big brother. That it's like, if you mess with my little brother... I'm going to rip your head off. You know, it's, they feel safe. And, and, and so I'm like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Because I don't know how you feel, but I feel safe knowing that Israel is our ally. No, because if you don't know a lot about their military, they have one of the strongest, most advanced militaries in the world. And so we have someone like that on our side in that part of the world when so many of the others would love to kill us and behead us. So number four, Israel rules by democratic law. Democratic law is not perfect, but it is good. Our nation is ruled by democratic law, which which in very simply means that We care about the welfare of the people, the well-being of the people. It gets corrupt. I'm sure it's corrupt there in different ways. But at its premise, at its basis, it means that democratic law is a law that says... We want our, our residents, our citizens to have quality of life. We want their human rights to be respected. And this is who we're allies support, uh, supporting in Israel. While the others, while the others, they suppress women. And you know, you have so many of our liberals today that they are pro-homosexual and they're pro-lesbian and they're pro uh, you know, trans everything over there in those countries, they will kill you just for for thinking it. They will kill you for having those beliefs. You cannot be that because of, of of their beliefs. In a democracy, even though we don't as Christians support that or believe that, we at least say it's your right to live that way if you want to. Do you follow me? So that's a reason to support this government. This government is is one that looks out for the humanity of people while all of the others are are ruled by regimes. They're totalitarian. The people themselves, you really don't have a say. And you get to vote, but their votes are basically scams. You know? So, number five. Israel's enemies daily plot her destruction. This is why it's important to support Israel. Daily. Now, Ross is getting ready to go into the military. I don't remember what branch, but he's going to be in a certain branch of the military. Every day there are people plotting against the demise of the American people, the American government. We just recently got hit by a cyber attack that increased our gas prices. And everybody went stupid, uh, you know, stupid zo at the gas pump. You know what I'm saying? Our nation is threatened on a daily basis. However, you and I, most of the time, never even hear about it. Why? Because brave young men and women like Ross are sitting at computers or carrying guns in different parts of the world. And it's settled before you and I ever know about it. Over there, they are daily, daily threatened with destruction. As a matter of fact. They have sirens that go off. And you have. And students have 15 seconds. To get to cover. You understand. If somebody fires a missile to us. Uh, from Europe or something. You understand. I don't, I, I don't know how long. But we, we've got a while. I mean it may be hours. But still. It's it's a significant amount of time that we would know and be able to have a preemptive or maybe that's not uh, the right word, but uh, but but uh, prepare to uh, come against it, whatever that word is. All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> We're talking about people that are as close as Mobile. Being able to fire from the West, from the West Bank or... Let me get that right. Yeah, West Bank of Mobile to the East Bank of the Bay. They have 15 seconds from the time they hear the siren to get to safety. And this is what this research shows. That 90% of both Palestinian, this is important, both Palestinian And Israeli children suffer from PTSD, from trauma, of living in that imminent, I could die today. And constantly, uh, these bombs and missiles. When Shay and I were in Israel, she can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there were two missiles that were fired into Israel. And, uh, you know, people were contacting us, are you guys okay? You guys okay? And it's like, yeah, we're fine. We're out like eating at the restaurant or something. It's so prevalent there that these people just live their lives. And it's like over here, we would be freaking out over there. It's just another day in Israel. It's just another day in Palestine. And so, you know, These kids that are growing up with this hostility and racism and all of this, it breaks my heart to know that that's what's going on. And I think that's why the Lord, well, I know that's why, the Lord said, Pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Israel. I want to expand your understanding of that scripture because he said, Pray for Israel. I hope I'm not taking too much liberty with scripture. But when I look at that map that was up here. And I look at Israel. I look at a, a, a nation that is multi-ethnic. It has Israelis. It has Palestinians. And it has a lot of others. But those are, those are their two largest people groups there. And when we pray for Israel. Israel we should be praying for not just israelis but we should be praying for palestinians too because there are christians that have been convert uh, there are arabs that have been converted to christians they call jesus their lord they are going to be with us in heaven they are serving the same god that we serve now and there are our brothers and sisters that are there I want you to say this with me, and I'm going to dive into these uh, last few ways of how we can activate the message. Will you say it with me? Our alliance with Israel is an act of obedience to God, which bears the blessing of God. So when you and I, when we support Israel, when we, when we pray for Israel, when we pray for that part of the world, their safety, their protection, we are invoking the blessing of God On ourselves. So how can you take what I'm saying today. I really didn't want to preach this message today. But I felt in my spirit I needed to. And especially with all the things that are going on. Over there right now. I knew it was a right now word for us. It doesn't seem like a rip snorting message. You know what I'm saying. Like it gets everybody excited. But it's a message that we have to hear. Because we need to be oriented. As to what our response is. So how can we activate this word today? Psalm 122 and 6 says this. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem that all who love this city may prosper. Pray for Jerusalem. Number one, pray for the peace of that nation. Don't just pray for the Israelis. Pray for the peace of the nation and everybody that lives in it. The Palestinians right now, many of them are living in some terrible living conditions. They don't have a lot of the resources that they have. We've had power go off twice here this morning. Can you imagine power going off in your area for hours at a time? You don't know when it's going to come back on. Water just stops. You don't know if you hear there's water trickling at 3 a.m. in the morning, if you should get up and fill up as many pots as you can because you don't know how many days it's going to be, like none of us would want our family living in those conditions. None of us would want, you, you know what it's like when, you know, the pipeline doesn't supply the gasoline and everybody goes to the, think of like what it feels, would feel like if you lived in hurricane season all the time. And there's no toilet paper. Dude, they ain't worried about toilet paper. They're worried about meat. They're worried about milk. They're worried about the essentials. This happens all the time in those areas. So pray for the peace of of, of that nation. That God would intervene on everybody's part. Because here is the blessing that I read to you of Of God on Abraham. He said that I will bless you as a nation and you will be a blessing to nations, to other nations, to other peoples. So pray for the peace of the nation, as the scripture says. Pray that the people learn to get along, that they will be able to to find some ways uh, to come to some political agreement. I know there's, a, there's, there's a, a, a certain mindset that goes, Pastor Rife, it's, what's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, but can I just ask you this? Why would God tell us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Why would he tell us to pray for it if it didn't matter? Like, I don't have to worry about the end times. I need to worry about the present time. Are you following me? God is going to do what God is going to do and it's going to unravel and and unfurl however God wants it to happen. But for me, I need to just be the best salt and light that I can be at this moment in time. And he says, pray for Israel. Pray for the peace. Pray for the protection of that nation. That nation, we need that nation in that part of the world. Why? Why? Because it's one of the few that is not home to terrorists except in that Palestinian group. And if that hurts somebody's feelings, I'm sorry. It's the truth. I preached a message, not on Israel, but I mentioned the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I don't know, several, uh, probably last year or a couple of years ago. And I had a lady to meet me right down front and... You never know what people are going to say to you when you walk up to you. And I'm, you know, and she's like, I really, um," she said something about the message. And typically people will, you know, they're going to go into, I really, that ministered me, blah, blah, blah. But she didn't. She was ready to attack me because her husband was Palestinian. And she started telling me that I don't know what, you know, goes on and how they're mistreated and yada, 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 yada. And I'm like, I get that. And that may be true in this moment in history. But you cannot tell me, you cannot stand there and tell me that the Israelis have not been probably one of the most people. Listen. One of the most abused people group on the planet. That it would rival and hear me, and I don't mean to make anybody mad in this room, but the atrocities that the... That the Israelites, it will make anything that the indigenous peoples of the United States endured. It doesn't diminish it. It just means we're comparing apples and oranges. This was a, very, was a terrible thing. But you cannot compare this to, you know, the entire people group was trying to... Be exterminated. Do you, are you following me? It surpasses what happened when, you know, the American and African peoples sold, sold uh, people into slavery into the United States. That was a terrible atrocity. But again, that's this and this is this. And they were not only displaced from their homeland, they were brutally murdered, and now they're enduring this. So, when we're talking about this, we're saying, God, protect that nation because that nation is one of the only allies we have in the region that are both God fearing, they honor the sanctity of human life, they Decry they don't support terrorism or aggression against the United States. This is a reason and a way that we can pray for Israel. Let me go over these last three real quick. Pray for the protection of their allies, the United States and the different people that support Israel. That we will not ever, I'm telling you, if if we ever have a president that does not support Israel, That's not a good sign for the United States. Political leaders. We know that political leaders can be corrupt. But political leaders can also change the course of history for good. Pray for their political leaders and pray for our political leaders. And the last thing is pray for the people of Israel. These are God's chosen people. Stephen, if you want to come, I'm fixing to close. Pray for the people of Israel. These are God's chosen people. And they have rejected him. It breaks his heart. Yet, he has not given up on them. God is still looking for the time. There's a verse of scripture I think I had here that I wanted to to read to you. Let me see if I can pull it up. God is still looking for the time that they will turn their hearts to Christ. Pray for revival among the Israeli people. Pray for revival among the Palestinian people. I'm telling you what. When Christ is made the Lord of people's lives, what happens is people's hearts change. What would happen if not only their hearts change, but they became political leaders? Can you see how the course could be dramatically altered? And listen, there's going to come a time in the eschatological order. Brent can teach you more about that in that small group. But there's going to come a time where, yes, all of that's going to unfurl. Let's not worry as much about that. Our part in history is to pray for Israel. So, these are ways that you can pray for Israel. I want to encourage you as we get ready to leave. I want to encourage you. Don't get wrapped up in current media. They're going to spin it one way or the other. And I've watched enough news to know They're all biased. I know we think there are certain ones that are not. They're all biased. You will get a degree of truth probably from all of them. Our mandate is to pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for that country's protection and provision and prosperity because listen in the end times people that are smarter than me about all of the prophetic stuff the United States doesn't look like a major player on the field I don't know what's going to be happening happening You know, people get off into, well, the United States is not a superpower or all these kinds of things. I don't don't know about that. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. I'm not really honestly worried about it because I don't plan on being here. And if I am here, His grace is sufficient and He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. But praying for this nation right now at this point in history... And again, my challenge to you is don't get caught up in a lot of the media. Don't get caught up in a lot of of the hype. Just pray for Israel because it's the right thing to do. And let God work out the details. All right? I'm going to pray. And then after that. If you guys want to pray about anything specifically for your family or individually for you, our prayer team is going to be down front, and they'll be glad to pray with you about any number of things. As you leave today, you're going to get one of two things. There's information about the Revelation group out front at the welcome desk, and they're going to hand you an invitation uh, to our family picnic in a couple of weeks, that we would love it if you could be there so that we can just fellowship and get to know you better.